Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the team of the decade, the San Francisco Giants. They won the World Series in 2010, 2012. 2014, as I'm recording this, they're in first place in the NL West in 2016, and you bet against Bruce Bochy and this Giants team in a postseason. I picked the Giants to win the World Series this year, not just because it's an even year, that's just a coincidence. I I think they're the team, I don't think they're the best team in baseball. Very rarely does the best team in baseball win the damn World Series. But I think they are the best equipped to win the NL West, and be in a short series. I think, uh, you know, if it's going to be Washington versus San Francisco, uh, I'm, you know, we've seen how the two teams have faced off against each other in the regular season, but I like how they would match up in the postseason. I think it would be very interesting. Strasburg versus Baumgartner, Scherzer versus uh, Cueto, I think it would be a very evenly matched series. It wouldn't stun me to see Washington win, but it wouldn't stun me to see San Francisco win. And it wouldn't stun me to see San Francisco beat the Chicago Cubs in the National League Championship Series, not just because it's an even year and because of Billy Goats or any of that crap, but because I think that the starting pitching for the Giants, you know, Lester's great, and obviously Arietta is very talented, but the, neither one of them have the unbeatable... You know, this is not Arietta from the second half of last year and the first half of this year. So the Giants could indeed find themselves in the World Series again, and if they win a fourth pennant, then everyone else can go pound sand. This is their decade. It is an orange and black decade. When they write about the 2010s, you have to write about the Giants first. And as much as, you know, they're my second favorite team. Obviously, what I want to see is a Red Sox-Giants World Series. And for those of you who think I'm too biased now, if it's Red Sox-Giants in the World Series, Boy, you're going to see some bias here. I never claimed to be unbiased. I never claimed to be impartial. I am a fan. I am just, oh, I'm objective. Anyway, it's interesting when you think about the embarrassment of riches that the Giants have had. That, you know, if the Giants win the pennant, I mean, right now as it is, if you're a Giant fan, and I know a few here in the Bay Area, they can actually say, which one of the three championships do we like best? I don't know. I like the one that they won the first time, never beat that, but the one they won in 2012, well, that was really cool, and kind of it was kind of justified the first one, and put the one against the Royals was so much fun. I mean, you could, you could go up and down. You can rank them. You know, you, as a Red Sox fan, I have that moment where sometimes I'm like, God, you know, I don't really think about the 2007 title that much. You know, the fact that there could be a championship, they go, yeah, I don't really think about it that much. That's not, of all the ones, that's the least popular one. You know, Giant fans have that. And Lord knows what it's going to be like if they win the World Series this year. You know, it's like, oh, you know, I kind of like this. You know, there, one of them won't get a medal. One of them won't medal. 
taking the Olympic theme of what's going on. And it's hard to remember that, you know, starting this decade, that the Giants were one of those franchises that you say, geez, I wonder if they're ever going to win it. I mean, if they couldn't win it when they had Willie Mays and Juan Marichal and Gaylord Perry and Willie McCovey and, and Orlando Cepeda, and they couldn't win it with Barry Bonds and then all those years there, geez, how the hell are they, how the hell are they going to do it? And they were kind of Red Sox West. They were Red Sox West in terms of all the times that they had great opportunities and, you know, the, if a line drive by Bobby Richardson, you know, line drive to Bobby Richardson wasn't caught, you know, or if the uh, game six of 2002, they didn't blow a 5 nothing lead or if Candy Maldonado doesn't, you know, slide into the... You know, at the wrong time, they would have won the 2000, oh, not 2000, geez, the 1987 NLCS. If there wasn't a damn earthquake, if the wrath of God didn't shake the very foundations of the San Andreas Fault, could they have won game three and four of the World Series in 1989 when the pitching matchups were actually in the favor of San Francisco? Not that that was the most important thing that happened. I was like, I have to be here in the Bay Area when that earthquake hit but now when you think about that like they've gone from a tortured franchise and and if you watch the ken burns um 10th inning the wonderful 10th inning documentary which was basically the sequel to ken burns's baseball uh they they talk about said well the giants may never win the world series well that was in 2010 That, that was when that was released and so now 2010 doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And now we've gone from, I don't know if they'll ever win, to, I don't know if this is my favorite one of the championships. That's how fast it could turn around. Now, it's funny. I was thinking about, there's been a, you know, a continuity of a lot of the faces. You see, you know, Buster Posey, Sergio Romo. Um, Madison Bumgarner, Santiago Casilla, Javier Lopez. There's a bunch of players who are still on the Giants who have been there this whole time. And then there have been a smattering who have been there since, you know, who joined in 2012, whether it's uh, Brandon Crawford or Brandon Belt or Hunter Pence. And then a few who first arrived in 2014, whether that, you know, Joe Panic comes to mind there. So there has been some consistency, but there have been people who were part of the first title who are no longer there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Lincecum is gone. Obviously, Brian Wilson's gone. Obviously, Sandoval is gone. But, you know, Edgar Renteria is gone, and, and Pat Burrell, and Aaron Rowan. There's been, a, there's been a slight turnover. Barry Zito's long gone. But I'm thinking about two players specifically. One who fills me nothing with nothing but happiness to just even say his name. And the other is someone who I feel who's been in the news now for not the best reasons. And I feel nothing but empathy for him. Nothing but empathy. Now, who makes me feel happy? I'll tell you, a player who makes me feel extraordinarily happy, and when we look back, he's going to have one of those careers that you just sort of watch and go, whoa, what a baseball life he had. And that is a man whose name is Juan Cespedes Uribe Tena, known to us all as Juan Uribe. Juan Uribe is now 37 years old. I have no idea how much he weighs. He is not 
the thinnest fella you'll ever see, a uh, native of the Dominican Republic, who made his big league debut in 2001 with the Colorado Rockies. Now, the Rockies remain, he has played now for 16 seasons. He, he fulfilled his rookie obligations in 2001, and he's played for 16 years. Right then and there, you can say, you played 16 years in the major leagues. Hat tip to you. Absolutely good job, my friend. What a, I mean, we all, we all should have a career like that. Amazingly, in those 16 years, despite having some really wonderful seasons along the way, never, never an all-star. Never elected to an all-star game. Do you know what? He's compensated for it elsewhere. He has played for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven franchises, albeit the Braves for only 46 games. Now, along the way, he has played in the World Series with three different franchises. He was, it's, it's almost hard to connect the player who was with the White Sox with a player who later played for the Giants and is now currently with Cleveland. Because I always felt that he was, he was a shortstop when he was with Chicago and made a couple of spectacular defensive plays, including in the bottom of the ninth inning of the clinching game of the White Sox championship in Houston, where he jumped into the stands in kind of a reverse Steve Bartman to make the catch to be the second out of the bottom of the ninth of the World Series, and then made a running throw with a potential tying run coming home to get the final out, and became was on the field for the first Chicago championship since before the Black Sox threw the 1919 World Series, and was a key member of that team hit home runs, had a decent season, obviously played very good defense, and that year's postseason you know, got some big hits along the way, including a home run and four runs bad in and, and had an OPS of 1.20 in the White Sox sweep of the Red Sox. And remember, that was the first White Sox postseason series victory since 1917 when they swept the defending champion Red Sox. Don't think I didn't notice that. So he was he's already part of one title that the fans are I've waited my whole life for this. I can't believe I've waited my whole life for this. And lo and behold, he finds himself in San Francisco in 2010, winds up hitting a career-high 24 home run, shifts over. Well, he played all over the diamond, but primarily plays in third. And then winds up hitting some huge hits. The big, you know, big home runs against the the Phillies, and a huge home run and five runs batted in against the Texas Rangers, and was just a figure that people loved when he was with the San Francisco team, which Giant fans could say, "I've waited my whole life for this," and so he gets to experience that again. Winds up going to L.A. Winds up having a huge series against the Braves in 2013, including hitting the dramatic home run that put the Dodgers up for good in one of the great manager brain farts of all time with a postseason on the line, not using their best pitcher because of the tyranny of the save. The Dodgers wind up going, advancing to the league championship series and you know, on his bat 
So he gets his great moment in L.A., winds up going to the Mets. Now, he didn't play a big part of the Mets, but his arrival with the Mets in 2015 was a signal that they were at least trying something because they were using minor leaguers. And they by the arrival of Uribe, which was followed by the arrival of Ioannis Cespedes, sparked the beginning of the Mets turnaround, and he wound up playing in the World Series for the Mets. It wouldn't be wild if they had won the World Series that year, and that would be the Met fans going, I've waited since my, you know, my whole life for this, for the younger Met fans. And where is he now? He's in Cleveland. How's Cleveland doing? Well, it looks like if they're not going to win the division, although I think they are going to win the division, they'll certainly be a playoff team. And if he is part of a Cleveland team that winds up winning the World Series, all right, it would have been more incredible if the Cavaliers didn't win. Because if he was part of the Cleveland team that liberated the angst of Cleveland fans, that would have been out of its mind. But the Indians have the second longest World Series drought of any team, matched only by the Chicago Cubs. And if he could be on that team, that if they even get to the World Series... He would have one of those careers like friend of the podcast, Lonnie Smith, who was on this podcast, who wound up playing with the Phillies, with the Cardinals, with the Royals, and with the Atlanta Braves in the World Series. And I'll tell you something, those are the kind of careers that fascinate me the most. Absolutely, Danny Jackson had a career like that. Uh, Mariano Duncan had a career like that. When you have these players who just keep winding up playing in the postseason, you know, Dave Stewart had a career like that. You know, Ricky Henderson played for a crap load of playoff teams, as did David Wells. I love those kind of players that when they arrive, it's like, all right, let's start the winning. We got some winning to do. And if Uribe is part of an Indians team that wins the World Series, and those fans are going, I waited my whole life, I waited my whole life, he must look around and go, yeah, that's what I do. He's the Johnny Appleseed of happiness of tortured baseball fans. And all I got to say is if the Indians win the World Series in 2016, then there has to be a feeding frenzy for Juan Uribe's talents between the Cubs, the Mariners, the Nationals, the Padres, and the I guess the Astros and the Rangers. Why? Oh, and do you want to throw in Tampa Bay while you're at it? Because those are the franchises who have never won the World Series. Or the Cubs have won the World Series, but it's been a little bit long since they've won the World Series. Maybe you can throw the Pirates in there while you're in it. All the teams that are just filled with angst and need to win the title, eh, bring your rebate along. I'm not saying he's the key. The Lord knows he doesn't hurt. Now, the other member of the 2010 Giants who I want to bring up, and maybe not in as much of a fun way, is Nate Sheerholtz. Now, Nate Sheerholtz is someone who played, you know, not as long. He played eight seasons in the majors, primarily with the Giants. And I believe, was he a product of their farm system? Yeah, he was a product of the Giants farm system. You know, son of John Sherholtz came up and was the starting uh, outfielder for a big chunk of the 2010 season, 
but down the stretch had become basically a defensive replacement. Defensive replacement for Cody Ross, defensive replacement for Pat Burrell. And save, and save for one game that he started in the World Series, was a little bit of an after. It was kind of just would come in in the final innings. He did wind up driving in a run in the World Series. Nice player, useful player, not a lot of power. He wound up hitting 21 home runs with the 2013 Cubs. Um, you know, never a big speed demon. You know, not, he just was a good, solid major league outfielder for a bunch of years. But he started to tail off, you know, after he was traded to Philadelphia in the trade that brought Hunter Pence to San Francisco. He had one solid year with the Chicago Cubs and then wound up playing with the Nationals and then kind of got kicked around. He played a year in Japan, tried to make it in the minor leagues, and got uh, released. Well, now he's serving an 80-game PED suspension, which will kick in once he signs a contract with a major league team. And seeing that he's a 32-year-old guy who hasn't played in the majors since 2014, uh, and wasn't particularly very good when he last played, I think the chances of him signing and serving that suspension are, well, let's just say very low. And I got to say, I have no pleasure in hearing that. I really don't. And I think Nate Shearholz represents the main, I don't want to say culprit, but the main profile of someone who continues to use performance-enhancing drugs. Why would he use that? Why would he? I don't even remember. What the hell? I'm going to go to this. Uh, um, he was with, um, what was the name of the drug? I probably won't be. You know what? I can't even pronounce it. And, and you know what? I don't even care. I don't even care. The guy used a banned substance. Does that mean he's a bad guy? No. It means that he knows he's at the end. He knows that he's a major league player, but not anymore. He knows that he's given a shot. He tried to, to go to Japan, tried to come back to the minors, and nothing's working. And this is a, I hate to say it, but it's kind of a last resort. It's like, well, i got to try something, otherwise it's over. And it's very easy to condemn someone like that if you're just sitting writing a podcast or writing a blog. But really stop and think what that means. This is what you do your whole life. You've achieved your dreams. You've made it to the majors. You've never become a star, but you've had several seasons where you play a you know, hundred some odd games a year. You wound up playing in the World Series. You wound up being part of a huge team. You know, you wind up he was not on the field when they won, but he you know, he got to play in a bunch of those games. And you know, he gets himself a World Series ring and he's earned a couple of million dollar salaries along the way. But all that's going to be gone. And he's got to start the rest of his life. And knowing that those, you know, million dollars he made here, five million dollars he made there, sure, yeah, that's great. But to say goodbye to it, to let, to let it go. He was released by the Tigers, or the Tigers gave him a shot. He didn't make it back to the bigs. They released him a few months ago. You can't stop and think about condemning him if you think about yourself. Put yourself in his position. All right, everything you've done, it's all going to be over now. This is it. There's no more. 
and you look up and think, oh, but I see other players doing it. I see other players making it at my age. Do I really have to go home now? Do I really have to say it's all over now? I don't know what that's like. I mean, look at I walked away from stand-up comedy. I did stand-up comedy for a long time. But I still have the option to go back. I still have the option if I wanted to. I could call up and say, hey, can I do a spot? Can I do an open mic? So I said, okay, yeah. No one came up to me and said, you can't do it anymore. No one's going to walk through this door and say, Sully, you can't podcast anymore. But someone will eventually say, it's over as a player. You're done. And with that in mind, I feel for him. I feel that he reached for whatever he reached for to say, I got to get it. I, I need one more shot. Now, maybe you could say you had a shot. You got to make millions. You got a World Series ring. What about the people who never even got that far? I don't know. But what I got to say is, Sherholtz, Nate, don't come back. Don't. For this reason. People will forget about this. Do you know why? It will only be a suspension if you come back. It's like a warrant. If you return to a county, the, 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 the sheriff there has a warrant for your arrest. Just don't go back. As it stands right now, if he never comes back, the final game that Nate Sherholtz ever played in the major leagues was the 2014 Division Series as a member of the Washington Nationals. Have your last major league game be a playoff game. Look at your World Series ring. Hopefully you've thrown a little bit of money in the bank and you're not living in San Francisco. Hopefully you're living in a place like, you know, Billings, Montana or someplace like that where whatever money you made as Major League will buy you a nice big house. Wind up being the, I don't know, coach somewhere or the, you know, find something else. And when people ask you about your Major League careers, yeah, played eight, eight years in the bigs. And got a World Series ring out of it. Got a nice house out of it. That's not so bad. Don't have it be, I came back and had to serve a suspension. Sometimes it's, you know, I don't want to say when you have to walk away, but don't come back to this. You are a positive member of a team that everyone here in the Bay Area, except for some A's fans who truly hate the Giants, Look at and say, they're amazing. They're the team I wanted to root for my whole life. Look at People may scratch their head. Oh, suddenly hit 20-something home runs for the Cubs. Really? Really? Do you know what? F all that. You're a world champion. You played baseball for a big chunk of your life. You became a millionaire several times over. Don't come back. Except for the reunion. Because guess what? In four years, in just four years, two things are going to happen. We're going to have another presidential election. Uh, Remind me to uh, smash my face through a window about that. And we're going to have the 10-year anniversary of the 2010, 2010, whatever you want to call it, San Francisco Giants. There may be other championships won by the Giants. They may win this year. 
They may win in 2018. They may win in 2020. There may be so many championships you can't even count them all. But there will only be one first championship. And you were part of it. I have nothing but empathy for you. It must be the worst feeling in the world to walk away. But do you know what? Don't come back to humiliation. Find a way to walk away. Find a way to have it just be a positive thing to be Nate Shearholz. And I hope it's a positive thing to be your pal Sully. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe to iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This is the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.